welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's special episode, we have the queen of fried chicken, Miranda Campbell. How are you? I'm good. And I have not chosen my title, that title for myself, but um, thank <laughs> I you. Thought, I just it. made it up. I didn't have it written down <laughs> or anything, but uh, I thought I'd go with it. How are you? How are you going? What's happening? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, you know, just um, I'm not sure um, when this will go out, but we're recording this on the morning of the US election. So I'm, um, I've got kind of one eye on the polls and um, yeah, really kind of feeling that at the moment. Um, but I think, you know, we're, we're, um, oh God, I'm, I'm, that's, it's, we haven't even started yet and I'm already going down a rabbit hole, but um, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just aware we're sort of sitting in this liminal space at the moment with a lot of, um, a lot of water to go under the bridge before we kind of get to the next bit. So um, yeah, but I am, I am well, we're, we're, we're emerging from lockdown. We're, you know, coming back together as, as a business and um, as a community and yeah, it's good. It's good. It- Scary shit on uh, on the election. I was just looking through my Instagram feed this morning. I'm going, oh, man, what is going on? Like, I remember being a kid and you're like, just all these older sort of people rule the world. And you're like, yeah, you just trust them because they're nerds. And now you're like, <laughs> Kanye West, Trump and that. And you're going, what's going on? Like, our life is just like, what sort of reality is this? Isn't it? It's weird. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. And it's funny, just, you know, reflecting this morning, um, you know, I'll be talking about my story today and stuff. And, and um, the last four years, you know, um, we're now at, at you know, the, this sort of on the precipice of what could be another uh, term of Trump. And um, I've just been thinking about, yeah, my journey over the last four years and my kind of call to action that came from the last election result in the US. And, um, and I don't think it's specific to Trump, right? Like, I think he's a, a bit of an, an inevitability and more of a symptom um, of a pretty broken system. So... Anyway, um, you thought I was going to talk about fried chicken recipe and I've, I've already um, pulled the Trump ripcord. So, but um, yeah, so I, we're, I'm just aware that it's, it's a pretty historic day today and yeah, just sitting, sitting in that uncertainty. It's hard to avoid when it's on every news channel, it's on every, it's on every website, it's on every piece of social media. It's just absolutely everywhere. It affects your life. Well, it's going to affect the whole world. And yeah. it's, it's just such a pivotal point in time where we think how, how different will the world be if he gets in for another four years and, What's going to happen? I was watching the footage yesterday of um, like all the different areas boarding up all the windows in case there's riots, and you've got the mm-hmm. National Guard turning up in a different in case there's um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's pretty mental over there. Uh, we don't really know how lucky we've got it, do we? Yeah. Not when we're going swimming and just <laughs> yeah. frolicking about, chasing butterflies. I was a point at us yesterday, looking at the mount, like the, all the you know cliffs and that. I'm going, my life's all right, isn't it? There's not a cloud in the sky. My my bald head's getting burnt. You know, like. <laughs> Life's all right. Life's all right. What I want to really pick your brain about this morning is sort of your journey, as you touched on before, like uh, Bell's Hot Chicken. You know, I remember going there for the first time after a night out and just it came in that sort of uh, American style, you know, sort of setup, and which in Canada I, I love. Like fried chicken is life, like honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I just remember the first time your fried chicken hit my lips. So it was just, it was heaven. It was oh, heaven. Thank you. That's very kind. And that's the... Uh the reaction that we like to hear. It's a very emotional food. People have very strong feelings about it. Um, so I love it when people get all poetic about, about what it means to them. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you're a fan. Oh, massive fan, massive fan. <laughs> so oh. Where did the idea come from? Yeah. So, um, so hot chicken is, a, is like a, a staple of the South, obviously. And Nashville hot chicken is the type of chicken that we do. 
Um, so my business partner, Morgan McGlone, had been living in Nashville for a couple of years, working at a pretty famous restaurant there called Husk. Um, and so there's sort of these legendary roadside diners that do the super spicy, like hot chicken that, that we do. Um, and it was just the stuff that in his downtime, he and his chef buddies would go on and eat. You know, it's like kind of dream chef food. It's like, you know, the ultimate taste sensation. The colonel was onto something. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he would drink natural wine with it as well because they were all kind of, you know, in hospo and that was, you know, the thing. So, um, so the story of Bells, the abridged, the abridged story, I was in Melbourne. Um, I already had, was working with another business partner in the space that would become Bells Hot Chicken. And um, yeah, Morgie was sort of looking to come home. He'd, uh, he'd been traveling the world and doing all kinds of cool shit for a long time and it was time for him to come back. Um, so yeah, we met, we met, you know, it all happened really quickly and in, in hindsight all seems really impossible, but uh, he flew back and we had some dumplings and bonded over Wu-Tang Clan and we're like, cool, let's do this chicken thing. So um, yeah, so it all happened, like the, the rubber hit the road pretty quickly and we flipped the business and um, yeah. And so that was 2000, August, 2014, um, we launched and um, we opened the second one the following February, I think, yeah, from memory. Um, and then it got pretty crazy. I mean, we did 10 businesses in two years, pretty much, which is, um, again, you know, it just feels impossible. But at the time, you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll keep going. Um, and so we're currently sitting with six stores nationally, so three in uh, Sydney and three down here in Melbourne. And, of course, have been, you know, riding the, the COVID lockdown wave. And, um, you know, I, I feel incredibly fortunate because, um, you know, the model kind of suited takeaway pretty well. We already had things in place to be able to do delivery and just do takeaway. So we're, um, we're faring okay in terms of, you know, the, the, an industry that's just been decimated by COVID and totally feel for, um, totally feel for other operators who have been struggling a lot more with kind of flipping that model or might not be reopening their doors. There's a lot of pain out there in the industry. And yeah, that's been, um, that's been awful to watch, you know, knowing, knowing how much, you know, that like a hospitality vocation, um, it just takes up so much of your life. And so to have that pulled away is, um, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. It's been such a shitty time. Hopefully now that some of the restrictions are easing, people are going to start heading back out. And it's funny, like anyone who, especially being here in Victoria and in Melbourne, when people have been in lockdown, there's a people I was talking to a few people and like as soon as they lifted the borders, they'd booked like they'd booked like two weeks in advance of I'm gonna go out for lunches, I'm going out for dinners, I'm going out for drinks. Yeah. I'm gonna go spend some cash. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm so disorganized. Like I I can't book a table at a restaurant at the best of times. So I think <laughs> I'm getting into a restaurant in like mid twenty twenty one or something, because I tried like a couple of days ago and that's just all too hard and yeah, but you just click your fingers, don't you? You go, oh, Miranda, come on, you're kidding. <laughs> oh my God, that's way gross. Uh, queen of chicken, yeah. <laughs> hey, take us back. You've done 10 businesses in two years. That's absolutely insane. Like, yeah. I know when you're in it, it doesn't really feel like that, does it? It just feels like you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Can you take us back to like being in that sort of momentum, I suppose, and just sort of kicking all this stuff off to to sort of set your career up or your, or your life? Like, what were your thoughts back then? Were you like, this is going to be, this is going to be a game changer for us? Or is it like, we'll just see how we go. Like, take us back to the mindset. Uh, 
time, you know, you sort of nonplussed at the time. Like I just remember we did the first one and, and I was, I was 27 when we opened the first bells and I just remember being like, Oh yeah, I'll do this for a couple of years and then do the next thing. I've never had any kind of career strategy really. Um, should probably start thinking about that. Um, I'm 32 now. Uh, but, um, you know, I just remember thinking, I think I knew it was going to be big. Um, we sort of about the November Pat Sullivan, who's a kind of dear friend of ours an amazing natural winemaker, um, came back from a, a trip to Europe and he just said, everybody's talking about this fried chicken shop in Melbourne that does natural wine. That's all was talking about and all the kind of like cool wine bars of London. And I was like, us, shit, damn. So um, I think I knew then that, that we were kind of onto something. But I suppose in terms of, you know, what it feels like when you're, um, or what, what I think I, I was feeling at the time is you just, it's the teams, right? It's the people that, that comprise the business. So it's not like it's just you kind of hauling this thing up a hill. Um, like the, all the fond memories and the kind of excitement and, um, and stress and all of the things that go wrong when you're building restaurants, you know, interstate. Um, but yeah, amazing support from amazing teams. And I think that's the, the thing I cherish most about the business is the kind of relationships and the people in them. And um, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's pretty hard and pretty nuts and you, you kind of like, there's no handbook. I mean, I'm sure there is, I haven't read them. Um, on how to do this stuff so you do find yourself stretching yourself like beyond capabilities you thought you had um, you know I'm, I'm not a builder and the things I can tell you about gas meters and you know like all of that stuff now um, is um, yeah that stuff's that stuff's really fun so I'm not sure if I answered your question but no yeah no you did yeah. you, I just think like you just taking on like being in that you're just growing you know what I mean like you're learning all these different skills and it's like, like, we talk about it all the time. I think it's like, it's a, an obsession, isn't it? It's more like, I can't wait to do the next one. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Let's just try and knock that off. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like exciting, isn't it? It's like a drug a little bit, like doing new things like that and experimenting yeah. with new things that you've never done before. Like, yeah, like, absolutely. That, that The growth thing gets a bit addictive and, and um, you know, the consolidation is actually where the real hard work begins. So, mm. um, you know, we've had, we've had restaurants that haven't worked out. You know, we've kind of gone gung-ho at stuff and probably haven't really done the market research or you know um it's an understatement but um yeah so it's i think and that was kind of you know um for me personally this year was going to be very much about consolidation like i sort of you know was really trying to bed in some stuff this year and then covid happened and uh turns out the universe does not care at all about my plans um and yeah so we we're just we're just going to keep going Love that. Well, what about launching the first the first store? So how, how do you go about, one thing we wanted to talk, talk about was like PR and like a bit of buzz and like, mm -hmm. how did you go about getting people interested? Did you just like line up and just have a big was bucket the, and was say, the product that good? was the product that good and say, hey, just try the chicken and word of mouth spreads? Like, I think so. I hope so. Um, I think that's definitely a part of it. Like it really is that good, you know, like I, I, I know I have to say that, but it is just delicious. Um, but no, I think one of the one of the um, the kind of strengths of Bells in the early days um, was it became a bit of a hospitality hangout. So again, I think I meant, mentioned that it's like very much like dreamy chef food. Like it's kind of everything a chef wants after like a you know long service or whatever. Um, and I, I I'd worked in a bar um, a couple of years before 
bells and it was a real hospitality hangout. So I sort of had a lot of, you know, connections in the industry and then Morgan's really well connected as well. So by the time we launched, um, people were kind of curious. And the other thing that I, thing that I think um, really helped us along, although we weren't the first people to do natural wine, um, we kind of really caught the crest of the wave. And, and again, you know, this was the kind of like, you know, wine that people could nerd out, but it was only on, well, maybe at a couple of other places, but you know, the, the, the wines were only on sort of the corners of fine dining wine lists. Like there's been absolute champions and legends of this kind of product in Melbourne for years, but we just kind of bought shitloads of it and made it, you know, just started pouring it. Um, and so that really gained this traction of like, oh my God, they're pouring Ganavat. Oh my God, they're pouring Longwell, you know, like, um, and that wasn't strategic. It was literally just like, go open that bottle. Like, <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we never really, um, that sort of strategic in the execution. Um, so that like the, the, the press caught on pretty quickly, you know, and I think also it's the product, but it's also the, the something I'm, I'm really passionate about is the kind of atmosphere and, and energy, um, that you're creating in those spaces. And so Morgan and I ha have real, um, a real enthusiasm for a good time. And we probably flouted many like RSA laws and capacity laws, but we just started having parties. And I think that they became quite legendary. So, you know, it became the place to come and kick on. It came, became the place, you know, for kind of industry award night, hangout kind of stuff. Um, and so that kind of vibe and, and that, um, that place to come and have a good time kind of stuck. And so it's really hard to recreate that over multiple locations, right? And Morgan and I can't be in all of those places all at once. But I think we do, I, I really um, would like the staff, our staff to feel empowered to show people a good time. You know, that's, that's what it's about. And that's what, that's the kind of X factor beyond just a good plate of chicken and a, and a glass of wine. I think once, when we get that all working in harmony, yeah, that's 100%. Great. I remember even working hospital as a bartender and you're like, if you get people behind the bar doing shots, I know like it's not legal, <laughs> but like that creating that experience for people like that, like you said, is vital because it's what they tell their friends. They go, mate, I was there last night and thing I was there and, you know, it was two o'clock yeah. and we were pouring our own beers or pouring our own wine and yeah. word of mouth gets out and go, fuck, that sounds like a cool joint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and when you are popping up around the different suburbs, they go, oh yeah, I'll try that. Like I, I heard about that from a friend. It, it yeah. definitely makes sense. And it's sort of treating it like a, I know I always bring it back to, it's like a band. It's like the coolness. You know what I mean? Like you want to be part of the gang. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, you know, everyone's part of the gang. Like, I just, um, everyone deserves to be treated like a rock star. Like, I, I think, um, yeah, you kind of want it to be exclusive and inclusive, which is a bit of a paradox. But um, that's the beauty of it. Like, that's the really fun part. Um, so mm. all of those, like, the best memories of Bells are those parties of it, making new friends. Is that how you know Dan? Dan Remy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, he's everywhere, Dan, isn't he? He is everywhere. <laughs> he's everywhere. Well, Dan had a restaurant up the road um, from Bells on, on Gertrude Street. So, yeah, he, he was around a lot um, in the early days. And, yeah, very, um, very proud to call him a very close friend. He's a legend. He is a legend. And I used to go and hang out at Roxanne back in the day. So, yeah, he, yeah I think he, I, we, there's a memory of him, like, kicking me out of Roxanne. I don't remember, obviously. But, um, uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone remembers much at Roxanne. It's always a good night, wasn't it? There is, it's time to go. Yeah, but that, like you were saying, they're the, they're the sort of legends you meet in the industry when you start doing stuff and yeah. start executing like you have, you know? Like, 
it's been amazing. Uh, I mean, what about the, some of the the challenges that you face? Mm. Like trying to scale out a business and like obviously having the culture or the identity based in what you're doing here in in Melbourne, but trying to scale it interstate. What are some of the challenges you face? Um, trying to get that the brand of the same essence across, like you mentioned before, like you can't be everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's a really good question. And I think we're still trying to, trying to work that out. Um, so credit where credit is due during that international expansion. We, you know, Morgan, my other, other original business partner um, and I were, we, we'd had, we had five sites signed and, um, and yeah, a lot of work to do. And, and we um, brought in uh, hundred burgers as um, partners. So it meant during that sort of expansion period, we had um, an amazing CEO who's still our CEO, who's um, a, a legend called Dean Bingham. Um, and a lot of their kind of infrastructure in setting that up, which um, yeah, I am eternally grateful for because that, that was a lot. Um, I think the biggest challenges are, I mean, it's sort of like, it's the, sometimes it's the stones in your shoes, not the weight in your shoulders, right? Like it's the really simple things of, I don't know why I'm saying this, but like I've left my computer cord, like my charger in Melbourne and now I'm in Sydney and now, I have, you know, like that kind of stuff where yeah. it's kind of the administrative and organising stuff where then where you're there with a flat battery at the airport, just like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And, and I suppose I suppose it's people, right? Um, it's the best bit and also the hardest bit because, um, and you know, you, when especially when you're in interstate, um, just not being, and that's been really hard in lockdown. Like there's just been so many times I just wanted to jump on a plane and go and see the people and give them a hug and and um, and just help. You know, there, there's so little you feel so powerless over Zoom, being like, no, good job, it's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that I, th I think. I think, and also just, you know, the um, the nature of the beast, it's so time consuming, you know, you, with, with that many stores open, that many hours, so much can go wrong, you know, like it's just that thing of, of, of you know, from, from 9am to 11pm every day when you're in that mindset and they're open seven days, you've got so many things kind of, you know, you feel like you're spinning plates at all times. Um, yeah, so I suppose, I suppose those are the biggest challenges and just ice machines, they break all the time. Like I need to find someone to make an ice machine that doesn't break and they will get fried chicken for life. Yeah. I agree, mate. It's always <laughs> the really fucking weak ice answer. machine. I'm so sorry. Pardon? It's always the fucking ice machine, isn't always it? Always the ice machine. <laughs> always the ice machine. And I get the calls like the ice machine's broken again. It's, I, don't, I, I, I can't repair it. Yeah, <laughs> I sorry. I swear at it. I can unplug it and plug it in again. Um, Is that what you say? Did you try to turn it off and on again? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Clean the fans, unplug it, move it around a bit. Yeah. Oh, jug anyway. juggling that many plates, like knowing that the hours are just, I, I can just feel now I'd be so anxious, I reckon, around like constant, like you were saying, problems just popping up, little things where you're yeah. just putting out fires all the time. Like, have you had a holiday? Have you had time to like take a week or two off? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, um, in 2017, I stepped out of Bells. Um, so um, yeah, just classic, classic burnout. Um, yeah. And it's something I'm really conscious of with the staff, especially this year, because it's really hard to give people time off when, you know, obviously you can't actually get there to, to relieve them. Um, yeah. So that was, um, it was just this moment of just like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Like I can't, if one more person asks me what Mississippi Comeback Source is, like I'm going to snap. 
Um, and so that was a huge lesson in, in pacing yourself and taking time off. And because and, of course I didn't, like of course in those three- but It's hard when you're building it, isn't it? Because you want to be like, I need yeah. to make this happen. Like yeah. I need to get it going, you know? And it's so funny, my friend and I were joking about that on the weekend of, you know, people like, you need to take a holiday. But it's like, how, like how? Tell me how to do that and I will do that. But, but I'm not in a position to do that. It's not like I hadn't thought of that. Um, it just becomes a bit of an impossibility. And look, I did, of course, there was, you know, I did have some respite, but, um, I was really aware at the end of that period that it was just like finishing a marathon. And, um, and so I took some time off and went overseas and, um, uh, you know, kind of caught my breath a little bit. And it was just incredibly lucky, as I said, to have the people in the business to be able to kind of pick up the legacy and, and champion it. And I think um, now I'm, you know, that, that there's, I've sort of had that evolution of, of my role in the business and um, I'm not, you know, I'm not the most useful actually in service anymore um, and sort of had to follow my heart into other things. So it's sort of, it's funny. I was, I saw a Facebook post the other day. It was like, instead of having baby showers for women, we should have like business showers. Like when you have a baby. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I smart. That was, I thought that was really cool. And yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that and kind of, you know, um, being the, the mother or like the maternal figure of, of a business and that kind of you do have that weird guilt of like oh I need to be there more and I'm not doing enough um but um yeah it's I, I suppose there's kind of an essence that never leaves you when you've you're the one that's kind of you know birthed it for want of a less graphic <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah yeah it makes it just switching off the machine man. well we've talked to about burnout with a few people now on the podcast, but it's, it's, it it's such an interesting yeah. topic where people go, it's like, like you said, how am I meant to take a holiday? How am I meant to take a break? I've got to get this thing off the ground or I'm, we've got deadlines or there's problems, there's fires, like every, all the responsibilities ends up falling on either one or co-founders shoulders or however it may be. Mm-hmm. Have you done anything in your, since that point in time, have you changed your, your routine? I, obviously you've stepped back from what you were doing, but, what sort of learnings have you taken in place to sort of stop that from happening again? Or is it just, just still have a break and get back into it? Um, I think it's so personal and it's so individual. I don't think, you know, I think everybody experiences that, um, you know, so differently. I suppose, you know, I think physical health is probably just where I had to start, you know, like I, I had to, cut down on the booze and exercise regularly, make time for actually kind of getting, physically um in order because and that's the other thing like hospo is quite taxing on your body as well so after 10 years of like solid slog you know back was pretty bad and um just not you know i had to sort of get aligned with that um and yeah i mean i suppose i think i'm I'm always a bit i've always tended to kind of fill my plate with stuff as you kind of alluded to (laughs) earlier like i've got a full-time job i'm studying i've got bells um, and I suppose, yeah, that, that lesson in, in actually just, you know, knowing, being able to pulse check with yourself and, and know when you're heading towards that kind of total exhaustion. Um, and I like, I've still had, like, I had a real moment earlier, like midway through this year of just like, oh, I can't do it anymore, but you get back on the horse and you keep going and, and like, um, leaning on people, you know, I've got mm. incredible family and incredible friends that. Um, have carried me through so much and so uh yeah knowing that their support there is there is so invaluable and um 
and all that. I feel like I should be saying, oh, yeah, I did yoga and I know that, but I didn't. You just kind of muddled through that. it, right? Like, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I say that shit too, and I go, I don't do fucking yoga. Yeah, I, I don't do yoga. I don't eat kale, bro. We got our crystals out last night. <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. charging it down the charging bench. Up yeah. the bench yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, I get what you mean. You're more of a realist. Like, it's, it's, it's hard. Like, you, you come back and you're like, well, still got shit to do. It's, it's like, things don't stop just because no. you went on a break. You know what I mean? Yeah. You still got to come back and figure out a way. and like that's yeah. something, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I think for me too, you know, it's burnout is more than just kind of being tired. Like I think um, for want, again, want of a better word, it's sort of, you, you just, if your heart's not in it, you can't keep doing it. So I think it's kind of holding the tension between knowing that you can still really love something and still be super attached to it, but know that things need to change for you to engage with it in the way that you want to do it. So it was really painful leaving the business at that time. And, you know, I had, I had so much attachment and so much sort of commitment to it and a lot on the line, you know, you go, I've got, I've given everything to this. How can I walk away? Um, and I suppose um, there's a great book that I would highly recommend um, all of your listeners read called the second mountain by David Brooks. And, um, you know, talks about the first mountain is the, um, the first iteration of many people's careers. And that's, you know, chasing success and money and the more material things. Um, and then falling off that mountain into the valley, which I suppose is what burnout is. And then climbing the second mountain, which is, you know, your kind of life's work of, um, of what you sort of feel called to do. Um, and so, yeah, that was, um, that was very much my experience. Uh, and, have been trying to kind of hold those different parts since then um, and kind of integrate them in a, in a way that kind of works best for me and for the business. And um, yeah. Tim, That's cool though. Tim Ash said something about the second mountain. Cause you, it's like your first experience is something that you're smashing through. The success is like unknown. You haven't been there before. So you're going to have to learn your lessons as you go through, aren't you? And then upon reflection, you're like, well, all the lessons I've learned is now that, the second mountain that's the that's the oh. stuff that i've been through like learning by doing because it is hard when you're in there to go like i bet you it, halfway through when you're scaling the 10 stores in two years you're like i'm not gonna stop like you know mm. what I mean? like there's no <laughs> fucking way like i've already sort of done all this stuff like yeah, yeah. it's so hard you know especially <laughs> our listeners and our like i feel like a lot of people who listen to the podcast are creators or trying to get something off the ground and it's important to know, like you said, to pace yourself, but it's hard to see it when you're in it for the first time, I suppose. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you're young, like, like I'm super old now, but you know, like you just, mm. just kind of, of course you think you're indestructible, you think you're invincible. So you just keep going at stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think enough time passes and, and you realise that that becomes a bit of a trade-off, you know, like um, I didn't have much of a social life in my twenties. Like, you know, I've only been to one Meredith and I'm like really bummed about it because you're always working, you know, and mm. it's so hard being me. I can't believe I just said that, but you know, like <laughs> that you kind of, um, uh, your, your identity is, becomes really caught up in this idea of work. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't regret it at all, but you just end up having, you know, things, result in being quite different from your peers or you just realize you've had a really different experience because you've just been you know um like a hammer to an anvil at the at the business stuff so when that drops into place or that, that burnout kind of overwhelms and you're like oh my god like what do i what do i do with this like how do i make up for lost time with this how do i reinvest in my relationships how do i reinvest in myself 
um, and again, get that kind of healthier attachment to, to the business. So that's what I needed to do. Trade off sliders are real. You can't do everything. You say your favorite saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> you like say that every episode. Yeah. I like it's it. It's good. Yeah. You mentioned you, were, you had to do an essay and you're studying. What are you studying at the moment? Um, I'm studying um, uh, the first four units of um, a Master of Social Impact. So I could finish now with the grad cert. Um, but I am a bit tempted to, to keep going because, you know, why not? Um, yeah, so it's a it's a pretty cool new course at, at Swinburne um, at the Graduate School of, uh, sorry, the Centre for Social Impact at Swinburne. Um, and it's been great. Yeah, I've actually really enjoyed studying um, again. <laughs> I say that. <laughs> it's been a nightmare. It's both, right? Like I've, I've um, enjoyed it and hated it and um, and all the things. But, yeah, no, it's... it's um, I'm, I'm really passionate about kind of uh, impact and business for as, as a force for good. And, um, you know, hospitality is a bit tricky, right? Like it's not always been the place for, um, you know, it's, it's a really hard business to make money from. So there's not extra fat on the bone to then be able to, you know, go and do cool philanthropic projects always, you know, it's, it's a notoriously hard business to, to get a, you know, fat bottom line for. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of straddling a, a few different elements of um, business and yeah, I'm rambling. You might want to edit this bit. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> I don't, no social impact. We, we totally, we, we, we spoke to, who was it? Matt Jones about um, a modern Australian business is just, that needs to be part and parcel. You need to have that social impact. You need to sort of do that. That's, that should be part. That's a non-negotiable, isn't it really? what he was sort of saying in the future sort of coming up. Like um, we all, we're all aware of it now. I mean, our generation of people now who are starting businesses, you know what, we're 29, 32, whatever, like our sort of group of people coming up now are the ones sort of creating the new businesses and creating the future work for the people coming through. So we're aware of it now. So we'd just be putting our head in the sands if we, if we didn't do anything about it. It's also that thing, like if you cho you're choosing to be a creator or start something now and you're, you're not thinking of those things that I think that you're, living a bit in too internally like you're mm. just focusing too much on what you're trying to pump out and like not not thinking about the bigger picture of like hey what how does your business fit into the larger community or how does it how does it give back or how does it fit into the social construct of what we're trying to do so loving that you're doing um a grad cert masters so what does it mean grad cert means you do the first four and then the, the masters the extra four is that no uh, an extra um eight, eight, extra eight. yeah <laughs> do, you, do you sleep like how, how yeah. do you get this all done? What do you? How, when are you starting it? <laughs> when did you start? Oh, I mean, where I'm, I'm here at my desk, and I just sit in this square. Basically, I've just lived in this square, this Zoom square, for the last eight months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's actually been quite. You know, lockdown's been quite conducive to study. Um, but yeah. I feel yeah. I feel I feel the same thing. I feel like a bit of a gremlin. Like I've been in the room, and then all of a sudden I come out to get some yeah. groceries, and it's just. <laughs> I feel the sun just burn on me, you know, and it's like, and like you were saying that really struck a chord with me, like your physical sort of health. And I'm like, mate, I went to the beach yesterday and I'm like, I just felt like an 80 year old man. I'm like, I need to, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Cause I've been in this sort of cave hibernation station for the last whatever, but you see other, like I'm looking at all these people working out outside. It's not an excuse. You can still go outside and exercise, you know, and I was just, <laughs> I just sort of, yeah, you know, I didn't you, the excuse to not either, but yeah. I'm like, when the gym opens, I'll never speak badly of you again. I'll be there all the time. I'm <laughs> How many people are saying that, you reckon? How long is it going to last? <laughs> exactly. 
It's not the gym membership. We even said it yesterday. Like, oh, we should sign up to the gym. We probably should look a bit better, shouldn't we? That's what we said. <laughs> we looked at each other and go, we're better than this, are we? That's fine. It's a podcast, not a vodcast. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, tell us about Small Giants. I mean, you're you're doing you're working there as well. Yeah. Um, tell us a story about that and how you got involved with them and sort of what you do there. Yeah, cool. Um, so I started working um, at Small Giants or for so I'll, context. Yeah. Small Giants is or Small Giants Academy um, launched earlier this year, and it's a uh, media and um, uh, education non for profit, and we are all about um, bringing. Uh, wisdom and action for a hopeful future um, and bringing people into what we call empathy in the next economy. Um, so just picking up on that kind of purpose-led business stuff, the, the, the idea of the next economy is, is, um, is one where, um, you know, humans can kind of flourish um, within the bounds of um, our environment, really. And, and I suppose that's you know, like even just thinking about Trump in the last four years, like a part of that burnout was just being really terrified of climate change. Like that just just got me. Like I feel it in my soul and um, couldn't really see a world where I wasn't sort of somehow working in its mitigation. So Small Giants um, publishes a beautiful magazine called Dumbo Feather and it's all about sort of conversations with extraordinary people um, who are building a more resilient and hopeful future. And so I started working there in May last year. Um, and we've launched this new um, academy, uh, of which sort of produces Dumbo Feather as well. Um, yeah, so I have the great privilege of working with some extraordinary people um, in, that, in that business and um, doing all kinds of cool things and, and learning lots of amazing new things and meeting just, you know, the, the kind of leaders that... Are bringing out, bringing about a hopeful future, and yeah, it's it's pretty wonderful work. Yeah, just putting a bunch of cool people in the same room together, it feels like you're you're moving and shaking in that department. It's oh. a good yeah. message too. I, I think mm. we, we were lucky enough to speak to a couple of weeks ago on um, mental health day. Was it mental yeah. mental health week? Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, mental health week. We spoke, we spoke to Sir. So we had a sir on the boat, Sir John Kerwin from yeah. um, New Zealand, and he he spoke about a well-being first economy, um, mm. talking about how our the the general work workforce is transitioning to a, a well-being first economy where the people the health the well-being the happiness and the joy of of, of humans because humans are the ones that do the work is going to be at the forefront so businesses talking about how you should i guess ethically or sustainably create um businesses for the future which is only going to pay it back for the people who are creating those businesses and it's i guess it's just an, an interesting way like i've i did all my study and i did all the uni, did all the different parts. And it's like nowhere in any of my study did any of that stuff come out. And yeah. it's all, it was all about what business models should you have? What fucking organizational <laughs> matrix should, it should exist to create management structures and like hierarchies. Hierarchy. And none of, that, none of that shit actually matters. And it's funny because I've come full circle with all the different stuff that I've had. And I look at how businesses should be shaped and why we're so passionate about different things. So I just feel pretty lucky we've been able to have these conversations and to speak mm. with people like yourself doing things like small giants and being involved with cool people doing cool things, which are, it really is going to shape the future of what businesses look like in, in Australia and beyond. Yeah. It's yeah. just cool. Well, I think, you know, we're, we're soon, like we're, we're quickly discovering that the kind of fallacy of an endless growth trajectory is just not sustainable. You know, you think about like the Harvard MBA model of just like a straight diagonal line, like, 
that's not sustainable. And when the fires happened over summer, it was just such a reckoning of like, we knew this was coming and we know that there's worse to come. And that COVID is a bit of a dress rehearsal for, you know, the kind of catastrophe we could be, we could be, well, we are facing. So, um, <laughs> Super funny, funny business podcast, me. <laughs> no, reality check, I but, like it. <laughs> but it's Ooh. true, right? And I think yeah. you can absolutely do this work with humour and love and compassion and without shaming people. Um, but we've got models that work. We've got business, we've got, you know, economic theories that um, that support these ideas of, of human flourishing and um, we've got people building businesses um, around them. So the work's happening. I think there's heaps to be hopeful about and heaps to be excited about. Um, and the kind of cynicism or the despair, you know, I think we have to work really actively against that and embrace the good. Um, yeah, so. It's hard when the, like when the fires, when everything happened, the bushfires and then now the pandemic, it's sort of hard not to feel a bit insignificant. Like mm -hmm. with what you're doing and the bigger picture of what could happen, it's like, fuck, if this virus was just that little bit more contagious and we weren't, we could all be gone. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. everyone's been grinding doing this business, like the old school way of business, like we work, 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 work. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. next thing you know, fires wipe you through and then a virus comes through and all the human race is gone and we live in a little bubble. You know? yeah. It's a harsh lesson to learn, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a harsh Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like, I think it was Erendati Roy that was, she has this beautiful quote about like pandemics being like a portal and, you know, it's this kind of great pause and in a way we've never seen community unite to protect the vulnerable like, like we have in Victoria. Um, and I think it's really going to change things. Like we're, we're sort of seeing a lot of people think really differently about the world that they want to see on the other side of this. And I think like even just like consuming stuff and doing stuff. It's like, why? Like, why do I need the overseas holiday? Why do I need all this shit in my house? Like I, I kind of, um, again, I'm kind of hopeful that we do see a bit of a, a shift from the kind of I to the we. Um, so we can kind of, you know, um, face the challenges that are certainly, certainly coming, so. We're making some odd decisions still though. I look at like, <laughs> I look at New Zealand, Locke and I talk about New Zealand all the time and go, fuck, they seem like they know what's going on over there. They make good decisions. They're, they're even like their their relationships with their their first peoples, with the Maori people. Like they, they've got respect. They've got respect. It's part the values, of the, greater, the values. The values are there. And I look at Australia, and like we're still going down. We're still going down a pathway of coal. We're blowing up indigenous sites. We're doing all fucking weird shit. And people are making odd decisions. And I just we we spoke to Yasmin Poole, who was what's what's her role? She's like the human megaphone of uh, Gen, Gen Z. Z. Yeah, and she's like. She's, uh, we, we claim to be, she'll be the next PM, PM at some yeah. point, but we're like, <laughs> the people who are, are running and making decisions, like, like and I have been sitting, not just the, uh, the election going on in the US, it's like what we're doing here. And yeah. I find it hard to align with anyone or anything. Like I'm trying to figure out, hey, I'm, I'm trying to have a bit more conscious, <laughs> hey, my vote counts, I, I, I have a voice, I'm meant to care about mm -hmm. something. I look at all these people making decisions for us, the people who are doing stuff, and I go... Don't like any of them. I don't like any of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, don't, they don't tell us the truth. They there don't might be a few good things in each different one, but at the end of the day, it's like maybe this whole thing, the way it's set up... The structure of polit politics yeah. is forcing... It's massive Russell Coit for PM, I reckon. <laughs> like, you, we probably could. Why couldn't we? Yeah, right? <laughs> Russell Coit. Oh my god! Yeah, no, totally, Rob. Like that's um, and and we're seeing that in the states, right? Like this is this is the kind of ugly old economy bumping up against the new one, 
And in a way, it's the necessary collapse that we're kind of having to reckon with. And it'll happen here in Australia. Um, and it's hugely depressing. It's hugely depressing that this government's response to the bushfires was to invest in gas and coal. Um, and the actions of, you know, Rio Tinto, Rio Tinto or even the Andrews government, you know, um, with the Jabberung trees. It's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. But um, this they is keep making it. the same decisions, though. That's, that's yeah. what, like, no one's learning. It's a bit like, hey, I'll just make this decision. I'll happen. I'll action it. It'll go and don't worry, someone else will fuck something else up <laughs> in the next couple of weeks and then it'll be old news. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's a really hard thing to kind of to hold, you know, like without, as I said, getting too like angry or cynical about it. Um, and that Rio Tinto one, that blew my mind. The caves that they blew up was like 43,000 years old, older than... No any, respect. Well, it's right? like, that's, that's you think of the history that we've got. You think of like the massive sites that people know across the whole world, like the pyramids and mm. um, all ancient all, artifacts, ancient like histories artifacts. of life, like life yeah. on earth. Yeah. It's fucking weird. They blow it up to do some mining. It's like, what? For money yeah. that doesn't exist, like we created. Yeah, it's, it's, just, a weird, it's a weird it's, thing. We're going to look back in 500 years and people are going to go, these, pl these people were weird. Yeah. Were they? Like, yeah. what the fuck did they do? They, yeah. they slaved away at all this, like, the job. <laughs> what do you mean a job? Just farm, bro. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And um, to that point, one of the reasons that we call it the next economy rather than the new economy is because all of this stuff has been living in, you know, Indigenous culture for centuries. So um, it's a bit of a returning to that and, and a knowing that, yeah, the oldest living civilization on earth is, is kind of here with us and acknowledging the truth about that story and, and, um, and, like embracing the wisdom Young, younger people are smarter now they've got like they got the internet they've grown up they know what happens you know what i mean like oh they can find out for themselves you know what i mean like you can't hide information you can't hide information or so tell them what they want to hear with the we didn't have you own the media you know yeah. you own all the newspapers you can tell them what they are the like, sky like sky i'm like what they just bash like it's clearly just like like when you take a step back and really see what what the agenda is and like what like how people do things and what you're like that's fucking crazy yeah, yeah. It makes yeah. you feel it's like scary. George Orwell, nineteen eighty four, makes me yeah. feel like I'm a little. Puppet. Like if I'm watching the project and that's just all agendas, <laughs> like you're kidding, that, yeah? And I'm like, all I want to do is relax after a day of work, and then I'm still getting forced <laughs> shit, you know? It's fucking weird. Yeah. Well, I'm going down a rabbit hole for eight AM. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, like I know, I know. Back to the the secret herbs and spices and chicken. <laughs> but, but on that note, you know the petition um, that Kevin Rudd launched for a Murdoch inquiry has garnered half a million signatures. So, and Queen, the Queensland government, his Labor government has just been returned despite every single newspaper there being owned by Murdoch. So the cracks are showing and I'm hopeful. 100%. I reckon we should start a thing, the war on news and we just call out the bullshit. Okay? Well, that's a lie. That's not a fact. That's not a fact. Who's that? Alan Jones, is it? He goes bananas, isn't he? He's a dickhead. He's a dickhead. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, all right. What else do we have? What's what's on? I suppose before we wrap things up, what's on next for you? I know you're studying, you're doing all that stuff. Is it down similar lines, or you got something else in the pipeline? Oh God, this is going to sound really nutty, but um, my lockdown project <laughs> um, was making pom poms because I was like, we're going to have all these parties post lockdown, and I wanted to make like garlands to, you know, for people's parties and so I made like if I think about lockdown if it's me in this square in the zoom room studying and then my downtime is just like sitting in the dark making thousands of pom-poms and watching four corners and drinking brandy and so now I have 
It doesn't sound nutty at all, like I, I feel you. <laughs> I have a thousand pom-poms. And the hard bit is you've got to like cut them into circles. Like you've got to make them look neat because the easy bit is making them. Um, and because like knitting's too hard and I hate sourdough and, you know, like I needed something to, you know, that I could actually do. So I've got a thousand pom-poms to make into garlands and I'm beginning to think it was a pretty bad idea. So the immediate... That's the immediate like log jam that I need to clear post uni is making these. I can't believe I'm admitting this on. In front of, oh my god! Anyway, oh. so that's that's happening. Um, a few parties I think will be in order. Um, like yeah, just um, giving that a red hot go. And um, what else is happening? Small Giants has very excitingly just launched our Mastery of Business and Empathy. So for those who might already have a traditional MBA but are looking um, to or not even have an, a traditional MBA, but an alternative to an MBA um, for leaders in the next economy, which is really exciting. Um, we're just about to produce another beautiful issue of Dumbo Feather, which I would highly recommend you subscribe to. Uh, and it's a really gorgeous issue. It's about rest, um, which we, you know, probably a lot of people are, are going to be um, over the summer, you know, emerging from, from, this, um, from this historic moment. Um, you know, already the calendars are booking up and it's quite exhausting. Like the, the re-emergence is quite yeah. important. So I think it's a really thing, really important thing to, to discuss, you know, how we rest and how we rest well. Um, and what else? Just, uh, you know, we're, Bell's, we're um, cracking on with some, with some stuff. And again, just trying to re-stabilise after, um, after this year. And who knows, you know, I'm excited. I kind of, I, I am a big fan of chaos theory. So, who like and i'm a bit of a yes person so who, who knows something cool could come along or i could just be stuck with my pom-poms forever i can't believe i told that story <laughs> i reckon i reckon a bell's hot chicken in torquay would be prime time I yeah, yeah 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 i'll man the desk i'll eat all the chicken luck yeah, yeah. will work for free just <laughs> yeah. luck will work for just chicken just paying him chicken and he'd be yeah, right yeah, a few of those offers yeah sure <laughs> yeah there you go um, done that's, that's definitely on the cards we'd um we'd love to open more stores and um keep keep uh but it's just going to be a very different landscape out there you know like with people not returning to the city and like there's so many unknowns um but as i said feel very fortunate to be in the position that we are in and um we'll just keep going hey miranda <laughs> it's been an absolutely unreal chat this morning um thanks, thanks so much for sharing your story and uh some of the lessons you've learned along the way i know we've learned a lot this morning and we're super excited to share this uh to share this bad boy and, and get these uh, in the ears of the listeners, because yeah, like I said, you, the lessons and some of the stories that you've that you shared, and uh, around the importance of yeah, like you were saying, the rest and and the burnout thing. I think that was really important. And you know, fried chicken, man, you can't <laughs> you can't complain, can you? How good, Miranda, bloody Campbell. What'd you think, Lock? Yeah, ten out of ten, as always. Oh, I feel like we all delivered on this one. I'll, I'll, I'll pat ourselves on the back for this one, as well as Miranda. I feel like we all. We all had fun. It was a great conversation. I feel like there's lots of value in this. What are your thoughts? Lots and lots of value. I tell you what, there's it was an interesting day we were having a chat with her when we recorded this pod. It was on election day and there's plenty of things going on in the world. So it's funny to think that that was election day and we still don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Jeez. There's, there's uh, not much progress, but, uh, you know, good chats. Good chance. Hey, if you like our video, go tell, like our video. If you like our podcast, go tell a friend. See you later.